0: Hello listeners, Kathy Lawless, Life Story Curator, bringing you this podcast series, How Did I Get Here? A series of interviews designed for people just starting out in their career or people who might be in transition or feeling stuck and giving them access to the stories of people who have been there, done that, so that they might be inspired with some new ideas or maybe just comforted knowing they are not alone that everybody starts somewhere and everybody goes through times of transition and times when they feel stuck. Welcome to episode 100. Woohoo! This is so exciting. And I was as I was contemplating uh how to make my 100th episode special and talking to some folks about it, several had suggested that this interview be my story. And When I was with my my peeps, my wise women, Sarah was on the call and she enthusiastically said, oh, I'll interview you. And so I jumped on that notion. So I'm very excited today to be telling my story and to be in the hands of Sarah Van
1: Rensburg, who is the CEO of Colorado Thought Leaders Forum. So, Sarah, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, Kathy. It's such a joy to be with you and uh, an honor because I think the way you draw out people's stories is such a gift. So I'm excited to help you tell your story today.
0: Oh, that's so sweet. And I got to tell you, folks, um, I've seen Sarah in action as well, interviewing others, whether it's one-on-one or in a panel, and she is masterful. So she's not only the leader of the Colorado Thought Leaders Forum, but she's a thought leader herself and uh, a visionary, And I would go on to say, a real thought provoker, Sarah. I guess that's one of the things when I think about all the meetings that we have. that's always how I'm left feeling is I'm like, wow, I never really thought about it in that way, or she's so intentional and purposeful. So anyway, i'm uh, I'm excited today, folks, uh, but I'm nervous being on this side of the uh, microphone and and obviously on the camera, this is another you know, we're doing a little video today. So this is uh, all new stuff. So, I guess on that note, maybe we were just ready, and
1: uh, Sarah, take it away. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kathy. Um, so I'd love to start off with a question. You always begin your podcast with this. Where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in uh, Elizabeth, Colorado, which uh, this
0: was the 70s, so it was very different than Elizabeth, Colorado is today. Uh, no stoplight, um, just a very small town. Uh, we had 40 acres. And um, the reason we were in Elizabeth was that my dad wanted to build his own house, and he was a machinist by trade and just someone who was a can-do kind of person. And so we lived in the house while he was while we were building the house. So it was a very odd kind of upbringing in terms of the house not really always being finished yet we're in the house. I mean there was there wasn't doors there wasn't carpet. Oh, wow. um, it was kind of a you know so but you know it was a very fun environment in a way my mom made it the best of it <laughs> you know she had curtains on the windows even though there wasn't paint on the walls um <laughs> and um, so it was a very rural rural community uh which i think elizabeth is a little different now it's just considered more maybe more of a suburb of uh, of denver
1: so how many people were living in the house where were you in the birth order Uh, I'm a middle
0: child Uh, mom had three girls in three years I shouldn't say just you know mom but mom and dad three girls in three years um, exactly to the date because my sister Debbie was born on my sister Terry's birthday Um, so yeah so exactly three kids three years and I was smack in the middle and um, as a middle child I will tell you I think I demonstrated all of the middle children um, personality traits you know harmony adaptability Uh, you know, you know, I was usually doing things with Terry or then I was doing things with Debbie, but, you know, I was very much um, in the middle. And in fact, when I uh, have done personality tests now as an adult and through my career, uh, I landed in the middle on almost all of these tests, right? Like when between introvert and extrovert, I was in the middle. Um, When you look at, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, and at one point I I thought I was, um, I used to call myself Gumby because uh, I thought I really couldn't make a decision. I didn't really have opinions on things. Um, but then I realized what I—I I guess what I—what I didn't really cherish was what I was bringing to the table. As much as I wasn't that driver that I saw, maybe some of the others leaders, other leaders being. But um,
1: anyway, about yeah, small town. How did it shape you growing up in such a rural environment? Well, I think the other part about being a part of a, such a small town
0: was. Um, it was intimidating when we did go into Denver um, and into even into Castle Rock, which was bigger than Elizabeth. So um, I, you know, you feel a little bit like an outsider and um, I guess maybe the word hick um, come, you know, I didn't feel like I was in style, in fashion. And, you know, we, we moved to Castle Rock my junior year. So I went from a high school of Uh, We had 70 kids in my class, maybe 500 in the whole high school. And then now my senior year or my junior senior year class uh, was 500 kids in my class. So it was Douglas County High School, probably 1500 kids total because it was 10th through 12th grade. Um, So it was a pretty big shock to go from. I was kind of a big fish from a sports perspective in a small pond. Now I'm going to a big pond. And how do I find my way? And I, I, I kind of ended up a maybe a medium-sized fish um, in the big pond. <laughs>
1: That's great. Um, tell me a little bit about. Um, tell me a little bit about how your career started out. Uh, well,
0: uh, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, my older sister was very clear; she wanted to be in business, and she knew right away what she didn't know exactly what that looked like, but she just knew she wanted to be in business. And so she got a job right out of high school at American Express, uh, working in their money order division. It was a local division here. Um, so she was well on her way there. I had no clue. Um, I could type. So I found a job at a uh, printing company as a typesetter. And my grand plan was I could work nights and then hang out with my friend Lori uh, during the day. Uh, uh-huh. She had a pool in her backyard. Uh, what, I, what I hadn't factored in was that I might need to sleep. And so that wasn't a very, very good plan, but- um, You were young. You <laughs> yeah, you didn't, we well, didn't need sleep. It's overrated. Um, but I started out as a typesetter at a printing company and then moved into uh pre-press uh, foreman and then pre-press manager. And um, it really gave me some like, some graphic design background, but also probably got me well on my way from a management and a leadership perspective. Oh, it's was kind of a natural leader. You know, I guess I didn't talk about, you know, I was working at the Dairy Queen. <laughs> And right away, I had a, um, I I just, I don't know, my, my parents raised all three of us to be very responsible, and that was just a core competency. So wherever any of us went, we all, we just kind of took in, you know, kind of got more and more responsibility. So even at the Dairy Queen, I was running shifts and closing the store, opening the store, things of that nature. Um so once I got into the printing company, I didn't really have aspirations that I wanted to be climbing the ladder necessarily, but I
1: did just want to be learning and, and doing more stuff. So all that experience being in the middle of those two siblings managing up and down both. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that before. That you know, I was always kind of you know navigating the
0: landscape there. Um and then I uh that company was moving and um and one of my colleagues there, uh, you know, we'd hung out with my sister at American Express. And so he got a job with her at American Express. And but, you know, I was in the mindset of my sister's not going to get me a job. I don't need you know, I, I do this on my own. I don't need someone else to help me through this. So uh, I then got a job at a newspaper, uh, Sentinel Newspapers. I don't know if you ever are familiar with the, those Um And uh, it was really, you know, and I was the uh, pre-press manager. So it was, a, you know, title was pretty grand. Money was not. um, They didn't come through on their uh, promises, even after, you know, talking through it with them. And um, so it was, uh, and I was working like, you know, 10 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night, five days a week. It was really a a long, long
1: hours. But um, so exact opposite of what you thought, which was, you know, play in the pool all day yeah oh yeah totally totally yeah but it was
0: kind of funny because one day uh, after I heard that the company just got bought by another company and I, anyway I was kind of frustrated so I finally made that call to my sister and I said you know you got you got Ernie a job at American Express can you get me a job and it was one of those kind of desperate funny pleas and it was just I hadn't really put much thought into it and she's like oh well are you looking didn't. she called me back that afternoon and said you have an interview tomorrow morning Uh, Just so happens that uh, they were looking for a supervisor in one of the new products that they had launched, and the internal candidates weren't playing out, and they were really impressed with my management experience, and so I had an interview the next day and had several more interviews because I was her sister. They really wanted to qualify, and then um, um, I got a job at American Express in American Express MoneyGram, which many people may not know that that's where MoneyGram started was with American Express. Um, and then American Express then IPO'd as First Data, and then, then First Data ended up buying Western Union, and through the Federal Trade Commission, they couldn't keep both Western Union and MoneyGram, so then they spun off MoneyGram, uh, but I stayed with First Data, not with MoneyGram at that point,
1: so. But Poppy, as you look back on your career, it's so interesting that you were managing at the Dairy Queen, and that just was always your trajectory. If you think about it, what was it about you that was either always attracted to the opportunities or that they found you? And why do you think those management opportunities came so easily to you? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Cause
0: when I was young, I didn't have any training. Um, it was probably just that I was reliable. I was highly reliable. You know, I showed up on time. I uh, did what I said I was going to do. And, um, and, you know, I was smart and I was, um, you know, I, I guess I was somewhat personable, even though I will tell you later when I got more into corporate, I think I lost that. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> and I kind of came into that mode of this is how supervisors should be. And I got more training. And then I got a little bit caught up in the um, this is how I should operate versus being my authentic self. Um, but I do think maybe it was just kind of a natural, you know, a lot of times it's just a willingness to take on and do more and um, you know, some people don't want that. They don't want the headache or the responsibility. But I was willing to. Um, I think that's one of the themes in my life. When I do look back, um, I did say yes quite a bit early on, and I was in that mode of yes and sure, sure. I'll do that. I'll take that on. And what what's next? Uh, what I probably wasn't savvy about was if I do take that on, how much more money does this, (laughs) how much more money do I get? I just kept
1: doing more because I was probably flattered that I was asked to do more. (laughs) Looking back though, do you think that opportunity came because of that? Because I mean, I'm asking this because that was something that I experienced when I was young too. Always, if an opportunity comes up, I don't want to miss it. I can do that. I'll say yes. And I found that later not getting more for those things I did, um, it kind of balanced out in the long run. How about for you?
0: Yeah, oh, totally, yeah, because I got a lot of exposure and a lot of opportunities. So, so like I would say, when I got to American Express as a supervisor, um, they also had uh, employee uh, activity groups and stuff. And so then I got asked, "Well, do you want to participate or be part of the employee activity group? Well, that's extracurricular. That's extra work on top of your regular work, right? Of course i said yes um you know so and then we had uh the companies uh, back then there was this thing called the corporate games where um local corporations competed like in olympics against each other and it was all to benefit the special olympics and so there was things like uh volleyball there was track and field there was tennis um i mean there was probably 10 or 12 different sports that the corporate games um you know, all, you know, emulated, like, like, just like the Olympics. So, of course, I raised my hand. Oh, I'd love to be part of that because I was playing volleyball and I had run track in high school. And so not only did I participate as an athlete, but I also then helped as a corporation. How do we pull all the teams together? Do we have enough teams and that type of thing? So that again, but then what what happens is you end up getting exposure. And I didn't do this for the exposure. I did it more for I wanted to run track and I wanted to play volleyball. Um, But you end up then doing a presentation at the end of it within the company. So you end up getting exposure in a way that you don't even really know um that you're getting right it's just more i just thought this would be fun to have other employees and you know how do we as a company go out and kick some butt against some other company and we are competing against companies like excel energy um which was i think public service at the time and coors and storage storage tech and all these other big corporations this was the 90s
1: how well there let me ask a different way um how did it serve you to have that athletic streak, that competitive? I mean, you just said, kick some butt. Obviously, it's, you like to win. How did that show up in your corporate career? Well,
0: I, I think it showed up in that I, um, you know, I didn't want to look bad. So I wanted to perform and excel. Uh, so I did, you know, I feel like I did get that exceeds performance reviews and I got promoted. Um, uh and you know, I, I moved up and I moved into other areas, so I do think it, it probably suited me that way. Um, corporate was a really good fit for me, um, and you know, and then also my older sister was working there as well during this time frame, so I also had a role model in her, um, but it was really uh, a good fit. Our, our younger sister had decided to take on more of an entrepreneurial route. And I remember both, you know, my old sister and I commenting, that's not us. We, you know, I, I liked corporate, and maybe that's part of that athlete again, too. You know, the rules, you know, the score, um, you know, I want a supervisor, then I was a manager, then I was a director, and then a the vice president. So I kind of, you know, that's the score, right? And that's how I know that I'm uh, achieving and, and moving up, as well as I'm saying yes, and I'm learning and growing, and I'm helping moving the, the needle for the company, as well as for the teams and the employees, so...
1: What was it about the corporate environment you were attracted to? Because you mentioned your your sister was doing the entrepreneur thing. What did you notice about that that made you know corporate was a better fit for you? Um, Even within corporate, uh,
0: there was an element of I could do more, I wanted to do more. So as you know, when you're in a management role, you looked at, well, here's my job, here's the things I got to get done. And then here's the other goals I wanted to get done. And it wasn't, you know, there was no shortage of things to get done. Uh, You know, I worked in an operations area. So there was, um, you know, the day-to-day operations that needed to get done, but then there was the backlog of stuff that needed to get cleaned up. And then there was the new processes to improve. So, you know, when you're in management, I feel like there's kind of, that you do have to really figure out a way to say, you know, I'm either gonna work eight hours, 10 or 12, how many hours am I gonna work? And how much am I gonna be doing versus leading the people and how much can they work? So um, turning it on and off, I guess, is something that I saw in in corporate, I was struggling with doing that anyway, let alone when I saw my sister who was the entrepreneur, how do you do that when the, you, you know, you're, you're the boss, you're the one coming up with the idea. You're there. So I didn't feel like, uh, you know, entrepreneur just wasn't in my blood. I really felt like the corporate really helped me, gave me enough structure to know what I needed to do. But within that structure, I felt like I could even excel and then know what to do inside
1: of that structure. And Kathy, I know a little bit about your background and that you were, um, you asked to step in and lead the Women's Vision Foundation. And um, you know, you kept on growing, you kept on taking more responsibility in your career. I'm wondering, what does your leadership style look like? Like, what do you think it takes to be a great leader of teams? Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a tough question, man. Um, uh, I would say, and this is something
0: that I've developed more recently, which is I, I want to, as a leader, I think it's important to create an environment where people can do their best. And I know that sounds pretty altruistic, but it's really, if if people aren't bought in and moving things forward, you're not gonna get where you need to be. Um, and I think early in my career, I didn't really get that. I thought it was more about they should know their jobs. I'm here to make sure they know their jobs and forces. So I was in more of a manager mindset, I think, than a leader and a developing a culture mindset. Um, but as I, uh, as I as my career evolved and as I moved, up from management into more leadership i did get exposed to that women's vision foundation which is where you know the wise women come from i started out as someone as a recipient of their programs and de- but then as i developed more and got more confidence and uh you know more experience then i became kind of on the other side of the equation as a mentor and then having mentors even who are even more senior so um so i guess when i think about leadership i look at there's just so many great leaders out there that I, I, that I want to emulate, that I see can move things forward, and then also how do I step into that, and I don't know if I'm answering your question, I feel like yeah, you are,
1: <laughs> and I was struck by something you said earlier, where you, your authentic self was leading at Dairy Queen, and it's been that way your whole entire career, and then you said there was a moment when you started, you know, doing this is what a manager should be, or mm-hmm. getting in that manager mindset. And it, it seems to me that you're leading now and that you've returned to your authentic self. Um, what advice would you give someone else who's stuck trying to be what they think a manager should be when who they actually are is enough? Well, yeah, and you've
0: nailed it on the head because that's exactly what was going on for me is I didn't think I was enough. Um, so I thought, well, how how, should, how and who should I be as a manager? versus just being myself and then recognizing here's the functions that I do in this role Um, and that we're all doing functions and you know but yet we're still human beings and we're people Um, so I guess that that would probably be my my advice you know back to myself is you know who are you being who are you being first we're all human beings and then how you know how can we talk through what needs to get done and how we're going to get there and being more open about that. I think I was almost afraid to have those conversations because I expected or thought people maybe should know that. Um, But I think it's easy to get stuck and it's also easy to get coached into, well, here's, you know, early on in my career was, they focused more on our weaknesses and what we needed to do to develop them. I remember goal setting every year was, well, and then pick a weakness and figure out what you're gonna do to develop that. And then, you know, after I kind of get through 10 years of that and in 15 years even and that's probably I think what women's vision brought was you know the whole strengths finder tool and figuring out well, what are your strengths and now how do you maximize your strengths versus really focusing on your weakness so um so back to your point about not being up I think I, I tended to be in that mode of and maybe that's an, an athlete side of me too that you're always you know practicing and driving for more and better and higher performance so there is this thing about I can get better. I can get better. Therefore, I need to improve, which then might mean, am I enough? <laughs> no, because I got to get better and I need to improve. So it's easy, I think it's easy to get caught in that trap. And I've, I've had to spend a lot of time uh, on my mindset around that I am enough and that I am moving forward still and I'm learning and growing. There's nothing wrong with learning and growing, but still, I am enough.
1: That's so encouraging to hear because you had a career that was extremely successful. You, lead, you led huge divisions and I think it's refreshing sometimes to know we're not alone and that every one of us in some way doubts ourselves and has to say, no, I can do this. This is okay. So clearly you've got a lot of stories of doing that. And I want to dive into your current one a little bit, which is being an entrepreneur. But first, could you share a little bit about how you ended up leaving corporate? Yeah, so leaving corporate uh, was interesting. I had survived many
0: of the downsizing initiatives that happened in corporate and navigated my way around that. But then I reached a point, I was kind of in a a spot where it wasn't really a best fit for me. And so I was offered a severance package. So I did leave corporate in 2010. And uh, then I decided to uh, celebrate and play for about a year. Woo! It was the year of Kathy. Uh And, um, and that was really fun. And then start looking for, well, what is going to be next? And I kept looking for what's that next corporate thing. And, um, and it, I didn't really find a good fit. Um, so I finally moved into a mindset, well, what, what if I did some consulting, not out on my own, but with a, a company that does kind of placement of consultants. So I got connected with a group that did that. Um, and they placed me back at Western Union as a consultant. You know, Western Union was part of First Data. Um, so I knew the people. I knew a lot about the products and services. Um, and I was primarily more on the First Data side, but I still knew quite a few on the uh, on the Western Union side. So I was a consultant doing what I had been doing at First Data was strategic enterprise initiatives, um, which in this case, Western Union was doing some major strategic enterprise initiatives around um, around the world in terms of the, the number of locations. And unfortunately they were doing some downsizing and then I got kind of caught up in that type of a role again too. So, yeah, so it seems like the last few probably the last five years in corporate for me, I ended up being in initiatives that were about downsizing because that's kind of, I think corporations go through those normal uh, peaks and valleys, whereas the beginning of my career was more on a product side and we were all about growth and sales. And you know, so that was a really fun part of being in corporate. Um, so I'm, I'm consulting. I got asked to to be an interim CEO and president of the Women's Vision Foundation, which had changed its name to the Leadership Investment, and I was kind of in between my consulting gigs, and it was really fun to step into an organization I had been on the board, I'd been so close and part of for so many years and enjoyed to now actually sit in that seat and be the CEO. It was a small nonprofit organization, but still... When you're still the, the main and the only you know the primary decision maker it's, it was a great opportunity And i think that really helped me kind of really focus on how do you be a leader and how do you create an environment where people you know want to bring them their best selves and that they know what they're doing and they're you know they're on fire um so i did that for a year then we hired the new president um and then i i decided I really needed to step out and figure out well, what do i want to do with the rest of my life and that's when i decided to take my uh hobby of doing photo books for friends and family and turn it into a business. And, um, I read that book. Um, you are a badass. how mm-hmm. to stop doubting yourself and live an awesome life. And, um, yeah. basically, you know, it kind of tells you, you know, just, you gotta, you gotta stop talking about it and do it. And so I started talking about, I'm going to do this. And then I got a consultant who helped me launch in 90 days. I mean, I had nothing, I had no name or, website or processes or anything. But anyway, uh, she helped me launch in 90 days. And um, that was five years ago. Can you believe it? I'm also selling back celebrating, by the way, my five year anniversary is. In May. So this is a lot of milestones for me.
1: <laughs> it is. And Kathy, you know, corporate was an environment you were excelling at. And it it sounds to me like it was, it was predictable, like you knew kind of what was ahead, what the next opportunities were. And so now here you are, looking through the windshield at a totally different way of living a totally different life what did it feel like like deciding and and um choosing to be an entrepreneur in essence selling yourself what was that experience like uh it was scary as hell um which is why i think i was
0: um, just kind of sort of talking about it for a little bit. And then when I read the book and they're like, either you're doing it or you're not, you know, and, and if you're a badass, you're doing it. And so, but before that I was looking for validation and I was, and I realized that uh, is what I was looking for. So I, I'm like, I'm doing this. And so once you make a decision and step into decisions, then things become a lot more clear, but uh, it was really scary. And um, but I also, I think in a way, I, I did it really smart in that I know, we, even though i have been in business incorporation for, you know, 20 some years, I didn't know how to start a small business. So that's why I hired a business coach. And I've continued to hire coaches that help me with certain expertise because I realize I'm not someone who can, can do it all. And I think that sometimes can be such a... Um, you know, a big downfall of the entrepreneur is, you know, doing it all, not recognizing when they want you know, have a coach. If it had been up to me, it had taken me a year to launch my business. Cause that's in my mind, how long I thought it took to launch a business. And she's like, no, we can do this in 90 days. And we are up in 90 days and it, I was way more efficient. I had all these things, you know, cause again, I relied on someone who had expertise in launching a business. So very scary. Um, you know, again, I don't have that DNA. And then, and then I also wasn't prepared for um, the ups and lows and the emotions of, of being an entrepreneur and putting yourself out there in that way. It's really,
1: Yeah, yeah. Talk a little bit more about that. I mean, what has caused your ups and downs and how have you found the courage to keep on going?
0: Well, that first year, the ups and downs were, uh, you know, around you, you know, you kind of put it out there and everybody's excited for you. And then what was hard is that everybody starts telling you what you need to do. And of course, I'm new and I'm a listener and I'm a learner. So I'm, you know, kind of taking all of that in. So it was, it it was a bit overwhelming. Uh, You start getting some interest in clients. And so you have this big high on, oh, these projects are going to come through. And then, then they don't come through and then you get you get really low and then you talk to someone else and you got in more excitement and so the first year i think the highs and lows were more extreme um and then the second year you start the you know starts to flatten out a little bit and uh, finally i remember um jamie shapiro another a fellow wise woman we were having lunch one day and she had made the comment about well how long have you been doing this you know this is and she's like, oh, so you've already been through year one, year two, yeah, the highs. And the way she articulated it, I just was like, oh, thank you for saying that because I didn't realize, you know, you think it's just you, um, yeah. and it was, it was, uh, you know, th- it was just an emotional roller coaster. And she was validating it that that's really, you know, that is what the entrepreneur goes through. And I think the other thing I didn't um, really fully grasp before it started was how hard it was going to be to sell myself. Um, you know, i had been selling myself in a way when I was in corporate, you know, I was in, you know, service role selling my ideas and plans and, propose, you know, different things. I didn't, wasn't selling to clients. I was usually the one coming in from a service perspective to help close deals and stuff, but I wasn't, you know, the cold calling and the selling and the moving things through the pipeline. So, uh, learning the sales techniques but then you know it's different too when you're selling a product versus all of a sudden I'm selling me so now it's like well and then is my pricing is it good is it high enough is it right too high is it uh is what's my value and yeah so uh, there's just a ton a ton of doubt that that creeps in so again I had coaches I also joined um a peer advisory board which really helped me um, work on my business with other entrepreneurs who are working on their business. So it's like a mastermind group, um, and then there's a coach leading it. So that helps because then you have coach and you have, um, you know, access to all of these great uh, resources. Um, and then I got connected to Colorado Thought Leaders Forum, you know, through the Wise Women initially, and then joining the Strategic Connections group, um, which is you know more referral based and business to business. How can we help each other and um, so I guess, you know, I, um, I, I have to find, uh, because in corporate, you have all these tribes and people, um, in, in entrepreneurial, you don't, it's yourself. And I think that was another really hard thing, um, was the loneliness of it and being by myself and
1: how do I bounce ideas off people when I, there's no people to bounce ideas off of, um, well, that's a very real thing. And entrepreneurship is finding that courage and, you know, another thing um, I heard a little bit in what you were saying is, well, now I'm selling myself, so success means that I get people to buy me, and there's, we can put a lot of pressure on that. I'm curious, how did your definition of success evolve and change from being in corporate to being a new entrepreneur to where you are now? Oh, that's been a, a lot of mindset
0: shifting, and yeah. Um... I would say therapy, but it hasn't really been therapy that I've been paying for, but it's,
1: uh-huh. <laughs> it's been
0: it. a lot of uh, different uh, mindset classes and, uh, you know, about uh, entrepreneur, but just um, in general, it, it, that is, it is really tough, you know, because when you're in corporate, you know, title is one way you measure success, uh, level of responsibility, salary, bonuses, um, I mean, there's all kinds of things right if it, and I know those are all external things and you don't even realize how important those things are until they're gone. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when I left first data, the first networking event I went to now I don't have a title, you know what do you put former I'm a former, you know, exa- you know, whatever so thank goodness at the time I was a board member at uh, the Women's Vision Foundation. So I could put Women's Vision Foundation, you know, and, and or I could talk about things in that way, but it was really hard to have there's no title. And, and it's funny, I didn't really think that those things were important to me um, until you don't have them. And then all of a sudden you're like, wow, okay, now, now what? And how can I be? And you would think of to the size of, you know, my new company compared to other companies. And I know that, you know, uh, I wasn't measuring my company to like a first data, but, you know, you would go to other, uh, you know, other events where other entrepreneurs are. And I'm like, well, how big are their companies and how big, how are they growing and how are they meeting clients? And so, you know, you want to be learning and growing at the same time you're kind of comparing. And yeah, I I tended to come up a lot short. So, um, not always feeling positive and strong (laughs) about how things were going, um, you know, and then you look at, well, how much revenue am I making? And is that the measure of success for my business? And so I do have to keep bringing myself back to, I started this business to really create meaningful stories and, you know, help capture and celebrate people. And that is not revenue is not the metric for that.
1: It's what you just touched on because the, Anyone who's never been an entrepreneur, I think, would have a hard time imagining or understanding what the internal battle of entrepreneurship is. Like, how do you, how do you overcome those gremlins and the self-doubt? You just said something that I think is really important, which is remembering why you started in the first place. So, Kathy, why did you start your business in the first place? Well, I I started um, because
0: when I left First Data, it was 20 years. Uh, like it was 20 years in May, and then I got laid off in uh, July. So it was like, boom, hit the anniversary. Now you're gone. And I remember driving away. And um, that last day with my four boxes, my boss was remote, my team was remote. So no one was walking me out. And it was very lonely. And uh, on top of that, uh, I get in my car and the song Freebird by Leonard Skinner is on the radio. Oh, and wow. the verse is, if I leave here tomorrow, will you still remember me? And I remember bursting into tears because it was, I mean, it just hit me, you know, I'm, I'm driving away the buildings in my rearview mirror, and no one was there to say goodbye to me. And oh, by the way, I was always the one who, you know, had celebrated people leaving celebrated projects at the end. Um, you know, I always made sure there was this recognition thing happening and yet here I was 20 years later. So um anyway I know this is kind of a long story the good news is is the next verse changes to uh but I'm as free as a bird now and this bird you cannot chain and I'm like oh so I went from like tears to you know enthusiasm in about a mile driving away from the building uh, but it just really struck me that well what do I have to show for 20 years at a company and how can I how can I capture that with what I had already been doing with telling stories around celebrating projects celebrating when people were leaving the organization or having big anniversaries. Um, so I had this, I kind of had this inner drive about celebration, um, uh, which is why, you know, that I was compelled to do that. Uh, you know, how can I do that for others? How can I do that for other people's careers and then other families? Uh, so that's probably how the the driving
1: force for me. That's beautiful. If. Um... If someone was listening to this and they, too, were in a situation where they were facing letting go of something that they knew, perhaps not being celebrated the way that they would have hoped, what would you tell them? Like, How would you encourage them to make peace with leaving that behind? Uh, I I think if you can
0: honor what you did create um, I do think there's an element of looking back how can you reflect back on what are the things that you've accomplished and um, not what maybe you still want to accomplish but what did you accomplish And, and, and I think this is the sad part you know when you look at High school graduation, big celebration. College graduations, big celebration. There's these milestones in life where we celebrate and we have speakers and we inspire and we talk about the next chapter. And then that never happens again. Um, You know, when you think about it, you know, you have a wedding, uh, maybe that's, you know, time for celebration, but there's not that next, you know, keynote speaker for your life to say 30 you're 30 now what you know what's the next step or what's the next chapter it's just kind of you're expected to maybe keep moving forward um but so i do think it's, it's super important to look back and in fact i will tell you that doing these podcasts for me has been really um so rewarding in that way because I get a, uh, all these people share their stories and it reminds me of things that I've accomplished that I had forgot about that I had not really given myself credit for. So a part of what's happened through the podcast, I think, is I have really stepped into, wow, um, uh, you know, again, back to that. I am enough. I, I've done some great things, some really fun things. So have other people. You don't take that away from them or build me up anymore, but it's, you know, you can really step back and go, wow, that was really a great opportunity. I was part of a high-performing team, and we did some really good stuff. Um, so, you, you know, it's it's so I don't know how to describe the value of having that warm feeling or that satisfaction or sense of accomplishment. Um and just being okay or at peace with it versus that you know either feeling bitter about it or. Um, or maybe feeling like it was you know there's some things that are left undone I don't know it's a really more of a just reflect back be at peace it's almost like um, who's the woman who wrote the book about you know getting rid of the stuff, the decluttering, and that you oh, kind right. of take a piece of clothing that. and you and yeah. you hug it and you say, oh, thank you for the joy that you've given me all these years, but now it's time for you to move on and then you can, you know, put it someplace else. It's almost what we need to do with, um, you know, when you leave one organization and really close uh, and then step into something new.
1: And you're, you're hitting on another thing I think is so powerful, which is Um, being able to release the external validation and find our own. Because oftentimes we get celebrated for things, but do we even stop to celebrate ourselves? Like what really mattered to me? I love that you're you're, um, hitting on taking time to decide what mattered to me. What am I proud of? Um, As you look at what you've done these last five years, what are you most proud of? Uh, well, then I'm, I'm still here.
0: <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I'm most proud of um, that I continue to, I think, evolve. Um, I, I'm loving the story. Every client, I say every client I have is my, my favorite client because it's my client right now, um, but it's so fun telling the story. I mean, there's so many wonderful stories out there that I've done through the photo books. Um, you know, I'm doing one for uh, a client whose mom is turning 60. And so she's gonna surprise her by, you know, celebrating her her life story and putting it in a book. So that's so fun to just know that energy is going on. You know, I just did uh, one for um, a client whose mom is 91 and looking back at her life and she immigrated to the United States and we had video of her mom telling stories about her as a young girl growing up in World War II and having to search for food and having to evade the Germans. And, you know, and those are now, that's part of my evolution is is now including QR codes in the printed book. So not only do you have this printed book that tells a story in an an organized way of their family history and memories, but now you've got mom herself telling the stories um, in her accent, in her personality, um, and, and, you know, it's captured and it's live. And so it really brings the story to life. So I I feel like what I'm most proud of is that it's, it's a really cool, thing that i'm doing and it's uh, i I have to stay in the moment of that and um you know continue to celebrate uh what each of these stories mean to each of these family that family by the way initially um there are five kids and they um are going to do a book for mom and then you know for the five kids and maybe some of the great well they ended up buying i think 35 books total for their oh, wow so not only you know mom the you know the kids the grandkids i think uh, siblings and friends of the family. So when you start to look at the touch and the reach of um, these the stories taken, that now this family has this history all put together in one place, and and the dad had written an autobiography, and so we have a QR code that links to. Um, his autobiography uh you know so uh, anyway i just i think that's probably what i'm most proud of on on my photo book side um the other thing is just you know doing the podcast was something that was an idea um that kind of came out of when i was um in corporate and in some of those leadership roles i was in a mentoring circle and i learned so much when you start talking to other people, <clears throat> like I said, you know, when you feel like sometimes when you feel like you're alone, that's not a good feeling. And so when you find out from other leaders that they didn't know what the right decision was, but they just had to make a decision. I mean, when you get behind the scenes, it's amazing. And so that's what I wanted to, to do with the podcast was to, you know, just as I introduced it, it's for people so that they can either get new ideas or just recognize they're not alone. And there's comfort in that. Um so.
1: Now I can't believe I've done a hundred. I, I just, I, I still, am, I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know a couple of the gems that like you just think about all those legacies, all those stories, all that wisdom that you have told through book form, through podcast form. What are a couple of the themes that stand out that you personally have learned because of other people's stories? Well, I've learned it. It is so, so important to
0: to have access to these memories and these family, family stories, uh, it, you know, it is really, it is really priceless. Um, you know, when, when they get done uh, what I think my sister summarized it well we did a book for her daughter, so my niece for her high school graduation and my sister said. You know I don't look at the book I don't sit down and look through it every day or every month or whatever I but just knowing that it's there, and that everything is put together and organized, and that I have it, she said, I can't tell you the peace of mind that that brings to me, and I know that families, I can tell you, my family said, said to me, oh, I wish I'd have done this before mom or dad passed away, um, and I'm like, well, we still can, because that was another fantastic family story, was we did it after dad passed away, mom passed first, and then dad passed, and we did their their story. And then it really brought the siblings together. They ended up having a family reunion. So there's ways. Anyway, th- those are the gems, I think, on, on the book side. Um, on the podcast side, oh, gosh. Um, I think one of the really cool things is I've been learning so much about careers and how people navigate careers, but also the different careers that are out there and this whole thing that you can really um, so many people have said, you just follow what you're interested in, what you love, and you'll find a way to, you know, to make it work. And, and, and that is so true. In some of them, I mean, some of the careers I've, um, you know, I, I interviewed a woman who is a love doctor. Well, who, who would, she was actually a police officer was her original dream in life was to become a police officer, which she did. Oh, wow. And then she went into corporate security and then she ended up leaving to become a love doctor. I've, I interviewed an animal chiropractor. I didn't even know that existed. Um, one gal, and she's 24, is leading a space travel group, and I'm not exactly, but they're creating a, a um, an army of citizen astronauts who are going to go into space when space travel is available wow. and they're training them on what to expect when they get up there from a leadership perspective but then what what is going to happen to them when they come back because there's something that happens when you're in space and you see earth i think it's called the overview effect and that when you see earth and you see the life from that astronauts uh, experience this a lot they have a whole different perspective so when these people go on space travel and come back then then she's going to be, you know, helping them. Well, how do we change the world now as a result of that? So
1: what, I mean, she's 24 and she's running Uh this company. Um, How about your life, Kathy, if you think about the lessons you've learned from your own life, what stands out as those nuggets that, that have really made the difference for you?
0: Well, it's funny. I, you know, I ask it in my interviews um, at the end, you know, what served you best and then I asked for words of wisdom. And, uh, and when I was thinking about doing this interview, I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? How does that you know play out? And I got to say, um, I do think what served me best, or what I think I'm getting out of this, is uh, there are some great nuggets that I wish, one of them I wish I would had when I was you know, more involved in, in corporate. And that was, uh, I learned uh, this phrase, assume positive intent. And I wish, I I think I operated with that um, because I was all about building relationships so that when things, if and when things went wrong, I would typically go in with, hey, this doesn't sound like so-and-so, we need to work through this. So this doesn't sound, I mean, I I wasn't about blame, it was about how do we figure this out, whereas it's easy to jump into the blame game. Uh, So I think I was assuming positive intent, but once you get a phrase or language around something, then it becomes more clear, right? And you can be more intentional about it. So uh, that's one that I love. Um, The other one I love that the Women's Vision Foundation had was a hand forward and a hand back. And I think that's, um, that's a notion that I could really resonate with because at any time, you're the hand forward or you're the hand back and how can you, and that's not about up or down or who's above or below or age or any of that. It really just is hand forward, hand back, you know, who's right. how can I help others and, and be uh, that connector? So that's been, I think, a part of me. And then one last one, I think, where um, over the years with all my different personal development, you know, investing in my own personal growth is this notion of that there's circumstances in life and then there's what you're committed to. And you really have to really, you have to ignore the circumstances and recognize when you're getting triggered and caught up in the circumstances and be part of, um, you know, really what am I committed to? And, um, you know, and that takes you back to your core. Um, and so the, when you get shook or rattled or stressed um, and it's hard to do in the moment, I'm not saying any of these things are easy, by the way.
1: <laughs> if you hit on that when you talked a little bit about, you know, success definition of success and people are paying you and is is this business about the money and then you remembered wait why did I do this in the first place and that true north guided you back
0: well uh, yeah and I guess in my other
1: uh true north I would say are
0: um uh are my sisters that have guided me in fact uh, I'm getting a little (laughs) choked up here but um My younger sister really helped me the other day because I was like, am, you know, am I doing enough in my business? Am I, you know, I'd like more projects, I'd like more clients. Uh, maybe I should go in to do some more um leadership stuff because I, you know, I love being in teams and you know, I look at the wise women and I'm part of wise, you know, how can I do more? I mean, you know, again, I'm back into that chasing mode, right? And she, you know, we were driving and she's like, you know, Kathy, you have the perfect job. She says, you have the perfect life that you've created. I I wish I had your life. She says, you have created the life where you bring your unique genius to the world, which is capturing and celebrating people's stories. You get to meet new and interesting people all the time in a meaningful way. And you learn and grow all the time. How is that not rewarding? How is that not enough? And, you know, I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, again, now that I have a language around that. <laughs> Yeah. That well, really helped me go. Oh, that's totally enough. And so how can I, how can I stay in that?
1: When you at the very beginning, you started this whole entire podcast talking about how this is meant for people who are transitioning or stuck so that they can see some sort of wisdom and unlock and the power of a life that helps people unlock a transition or get through a stuck thing is, is a big deal, Kathy. And So I'm interested in what advice you would give someone who is stuck or in transition, and they just can't see their way forward.
0: I think the first step is you got to talk to people. You have got to talk to people and 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 be curious about what they've done to get unstuck. um, Is it's really been fascinating when you know like when I was in transition I had a friend who was also in transition by the way I hated the term transition uh, and I liked the term free agent when someone introduced that to me because that sounds more powerful right transition sounds like ah, I'm bouncing around not sure but free agent was like no I'm looking for that best offer I'm looking for that new exciting thing but um, you know you, you just you have to talk to people and find out what they've done and, and that's what I'm hoping to do with the podcast is that it really just kind of stimulates ideas and it's not someone telling you what to do it's really that you know you hear their story and you hear someone say well um i was really impatient um or i i was patient and what i was doing is i was walking around the city and and thinking to myself what's next what's next and then bang my intuition something clicked in and it said teach this was my latest podcast by the way this is what happened and you know so these are the things that i'm finding so powerful is just how people can tap into who they are their authentic self and you can only do that yourself so but but i don't think you can do it by yourself does that make sense if you just stay in your head um your head just spins and says the same thing over and over and it's not breaking into new patterns and so that's what i think is so cool about when you start talking to other people and find out well this person did took this route and this person took that route and this person got stuck over here, and then this is what they did. You know, one person she was stuck, and she took a year off, and she hiked the um, the the trail in Spain. Uh, I can't that's think of you Yes, and so you know, now I'm not saying that that's the ticket for everybody, but you know, you have to kind of understand what's going to work for you. Um, but I gotta tell you, it's not gonna happen if you stay in your head. You really have to talk to other people. And I would also say you have to be in action. And even if that action is reading a book and that just takes you and stimulates new ideas. Again, I think it breaks that pattern of either sometimes when we're stuck, we feel sorry for ourselves. We're the only ones, we're we're just looking at things in a certain way. And you know, just like my sister had to kind of hit me upside the head about my am I doing enough? Am I enough? Uh, you know, she had, she put those words out there. Other people are going to put words out there and you get motivated and stimulated. You know, sometimes it's taking a class um, and it might be a technical class, not in technology, but technical as in maybe you want to learn more about engineering or maybe you want to learn a particular uh, tool like maybe SharePoint or, you know, so, so sometimes it's taking a class. That's being in action. And then from that action, you go, oh, liked it, didn't like it liked this part, didn't like that part. How does this now guide me? So um, yeah, I really feel like you, you, you got to be talking to people and just learning and expanding and hearing different things. And then, and then you can judge from that. Well, does that work for me? Does that not work for me?
1: I don't know if I'm making sense here, but it's, it makes perfect sense. And honestly, I mean, what you've just hit on is the one piece of advice I wish I would have had when I was younger, because I spent so much time trying to think my way through stuck places and you can't, you have to move your way through them. And I think your wisdom is spot on. I guess one last thing I would add to that is um, uh, I listened
0: to a YouTube, maybe it was a TED talk by two professors from Stanford who wrote a book called Design Your Life. I don't know if you've read that or seen part of it, but a big part of what they talk about is, you know, be curious, talk to people, take action. And so I don't want to take full credit for those statements, but um, I'm putting my own, I think, interpretation on that, uh, but why why I think they created what they did is because they're, you know, professors at Stanford, so these graduates from Stanford come out, and then they're like, well, I've graduated from Stanford, what's the right first job, you know, as in right, as in perfect. Right. and, you know, one of the things he talks about during the YouTube thing is about, you um, how, how did to get that word perfect out of you know? How do you get that notion of not enough and all the things we've been talking about, right? That um, that you know you you evaluate that critic, that inner critic, that just tends to uh, you know overwhelm us and stop us uh, versus you know prompting us and moving us forward.
1: This is great, Kathy, and I could talk with you all day. I wish I could. Um, one thing that I I think is so powerful is we are here because you stepped out, you took action. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this, and in three months you started the business. Then you had the idea to start the podcast and thought about it. And then you just did it. So we're at a hundred episodes. What do you see as your next action? That next thing ahead for you? Wow. Well, I going to say, I am relishing
0: in the hundred. Uh, it's funny I don't have any interviews lined up after my hundred right now. So I'm uh, I've been. Uh, And usually I have a backlog in my pipeline. So there's part of me that's going, oh, well, maybe hundred is it. And I should, um, (laughs) and and just celebrate and move on. But I don't think I can, because uh, I got to say, each time I have an interview with someone, it is so powerful for that person to spend that time reflecting. And again, remember we talked about, I don't think people reflect enough. And how many people have said it's a luxury to spend this time talking about myself it's a luxury to do this reflection when many times you know we just don't take the time to do so so i am going to continue doing a podcast uh, i thought about doing another type of podcast around um some leadership matters uh which could be fun because i just have this um you know i have this passion for good leadership matters and when you do see good leaders and you have those nuggets um, there's a way to do that. I don't know that it always fits so well with my storytelling, um, but I you know I do think it's still, again, it's about learning from others. And it's a lot more powerful to learn from others, I think, through storytelling versus, you know, you know, mentoring or even uh, uh, you know, any advice. Great. And Kathy,
1: I just want to acknowledge you. I think one of the reasons why what you're doing works so well is because of the, you're so humble and engaged. Your career has been so successful and yet you want to just put the attention and focus on other people and engage them and be authentic. And I just think it's a real gift and I appreciate being able to be a part of this with you today and to celebrate a hundred and what you've accomplished is really quite something. Yay,
0: hundred! Well, thank you, Sarah. It has
1: been a pleasure. It's been
0: fun. Um, now, I guess I have a, a better sense of how, how my uh, my other my interviewees feel <laughs> being on the other side. Because my first thought was, "Well, was this helpful? Did I sound rational?" Um, anyway, I, I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah. I I have found throughout um, doing this, I had to get comfortable with hearing my own voice, um, just not just you know the sound of it, and then hearing my own ticks and my filler words but also then what is the content that I'm bringing. So uh, I gotta say, I do love bringing people's stories to life. It is, it has been a true pleasure and honor on my part. And it was an honor having you today, taking me through my story. So thank you so much. Pleasure. And listeners, uh, thank you for celebrating 100. This is very exciting. And uh, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe below, and then you'll be alerted to other interviews as they're published. And, If you have any questions for me, or I guess if you'd like to get to know Sarah better, um, I will be posting this web on my website, lifestorycurator.com, and you can post any comments there. And other than that, I guess I just say, stay safe, stay well, and let's keep sharing the stories.